All together now, come on you Spurs! This is the Launch Pod for Pomona Valley Church. That's right, we know you have been waiting anxiously for an update on the fate of the Champions League semifinals, or who are we kidding, we know you all watched and probably ran around the house screaming when Lucas Mora scored the literally last-minute winning goal to cap a second-half three-goal comeback in one of the most dramatic soccer matches ever played and now have the entire afternoon of June 1st blocked off on your calendar for the Champions League final between Spurs and Liverpool, right? Just me then? Well, Audere est Ficari anyhow. In other, perhaps more relevant updates... My voice is funny from a bug that came from some child somewhere. And then beyond that, Curtis and I are under contract for a house with a closing date in mid-June. One of the things I am especially looking forward to and really grateful about is that this house is close enough that my kids can walk or ride a bike to their elementary school. We would like to share that this process of officially moving back to California is also significant within our partnership with Communitas. Being totally official staffers with them opens a lot of doors for next steps, and part of being staff includes having a financial partnership team they can see, regardless of gift amount. So, if you happen to be someone who wants to give to Pomona Valley Church but has not yet signed up to be a partner for whatever reason, now would be a particularly helpful time. One of the really fun things for us is that a giving partner's name shows up in a little database. And it feels like this list of people who love Jesus and are excited to be creating this new church and are cheering for us. I never would have thought I'd feel emotional about a spreadsheet. Well, I mean, why why would that be so surprising? Aren't they inherently emotional? We watched the TV show Brooklyn Nine-Nine and Meredith has decided that I am most definitely Captain Holt. Absolutely Captain Holt. But also... As we continue to build a team of prayer and giving partners, it would be a huge help if you haven't yet to rate or review the podcast. If you don't follow us on Instagram, also, you can follow us there, whether you live in California or not. Our Instagram account also has a link to the May launch newsletter, where we wrote a piece about why we are choosing a process that begins with embedding in the community, rather than aiming for a target of launching large, as they say. And with that little update, it's time to find out what Curtis read this week. Yes, this week I read an article in Wired Magazine. I think it's actually from a couple months back because for reasons we don't need to get into, I tend to read magazines a month or so behind. It's because he checks them all out from the library. You know, like a normal person. Hey, if I were a normal person, we wouldn't have this segment now, would we? So, it was this little article in Wired about the ruthless pursuit of efficiency in the tech world, and it caught my attention because of how it intersected with what we talked about on last week's pod. It opens with a story, speaking of spreadsheet joys, of this coder who was going on a trip to Japan and surprised his traveling companion with a highly detailed Google map with all the best ramen places mapped on it, and he'd written some code that plotted the proper sightseeing route that would also ensure they hit as many of the top-rated ramen places as possible over the course of the trip. Oh, so this is like the high-tech version of the paper map you made the first time we ever went to San Francisco, wherein you literally put numbered dots on all of the places we wanted to eat and then plotted out the proper route to ensure we hit as many of the top-rated places as possible over the course of our trip. Uh, yes. Mm. Yeah. So, uh, anyhow, this article was talking about the ways that this pursuit of efficiency, which is kind of a required thing for any coder, 
is becoming more and more an article of faith in all areas of life, and increasingly not just among coders or in the tech world, because the products developed by those coders under that mindset increasingly are influencing how we all live as well. And it was interesting to think about how one of the things we are trying to do with this church is to swim upstream against that flow, because, and this is kind of alluded to in the piece as well, relationships just can't be mastered or optimized or made efficient, and the world would be worse if they were. Anyhow, the piece itself is fairly short, and it was more interesting because of what it got me thinking about than it was profound in and of itself, but that's what I read this week. That does sound really interesting. Moving on to our main topic this week, we've talked before about how we feel really passionately about a church orienting itself towards equipping, but not just any equipping. Equipping people for a life with Jesus that feels joyful and sustainable. And today we thought we might unpack that idea a little bit more. But before we do, it's time to take a break for our sponsor. This episode of The Launch Pod is brought to you by Uber Priests. Following Jesus can sometimes be hard. Wouldn't it be great if we could just outsource it? Like, you know you're supposed to love your neighbor, right? But who has the time? Let one of Uber Priest's team of freelance ordained pastors hustle to your side, or rather to that neighbor's side, to show them the love you definitely would if you could only squeeze it in. <laughs> Righteousness never came so easy. Whatever spiritual task you find just doesn't fit into your busy lifestyle, prayer, Bible reading, silence and solitude, fasting, and more, Uber Priests can take those pesky responsibilities off your plate. Uber Priests pastors are on call, on time, and most important, in budget. Uber Priests, it's like Uber, but for Jesus. Wait, do Uber Priests wear clerical collars? Uh, some do, but most wear t-shirts. I think they like that Uber Priests kind of rhymes with Uber Eats. It's on brand. And I'm not sure Uber is really all that concerned about denominational differences. I guess. Anyway, back to unpacking the idea of equipping. A church could equip somebody for all sorts of different things. For us, we're incredibly passionate about people experiencing life with God in their regular, everyday lives. Their interactions, relationships, through challenges. In John Ortberg's book, Soul Keeping, he quotes a conversation he had with Dallas Willard where Dallas said to him, You must arrange your days so that you are experiencing deep contentment, joy, and confidence in your everyday life with God. I went to Westmont College in Santa Barbara, and our motto, Curtis, do you remember your school's motto? Veritas pro Christo et Ecclesia, truth for Christ and the church. Although it got shortened to just Veritas at some point along the way. Well, our motto is Christus primatum tenens, Christ preeminent in all things. This is a very Latin-heavy episode of the launch pod. We should have warned people. Oh, well. Christ preeminent in all things. And I can't totally believe just how much I remember and connect with things I learned about that phrase over 15 years ago, except this. Our campus pastor, Ben Patterson, made a point of reciting Colossians 1 to us regularly. And he also made a point of highlighting the beauty of the words. When he read Colossians 1, I pictured myself enfolded into God as if I was sinking into a comforter on a giant bed. Or I would sometimes imagine Jesus as totally massive, but like not in a scary way, where I could just be held right in the middle of him. And then Ben would tell us that this way of experiencing Christ in all and through all and around all was available to us in our everyday lives. 
It never felt oppressive or smothering. It was far too lovely for that, like the way star jasmine is only ever the most wonderful smell to surround you. It has long been a goal of mine to have a yard full of star jasmine. Colossians 1, 15 to 18 reads, Christ is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created, both in the heavens and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through Christ and for Christ. Christ is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is also head of the body, the church, and he is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he himself will come to have first place in everything. The presence of Jesus is not accessed by doing certain religious behaviors just right. It is not something that we only enjoy if we pray just the right way or follow just the right scripture engagement plan. The presence of Jesus is everywhere all the time, accessible to us. We are not particularly interested in a church that only equips people to perform religious behaviors. We absolutely believe that there are Christian practices that help us to better connect with God, but it can feel very different to understand that I'm learning a Christian practice because it invites me to connect my whole regular life to Jesus rather than believing I am learning a religious behavior for fear that if I don't, I could never connect with Jesus. In the book we referenced earlier, the story continues with John Ortberg replying to Dallas Willard, telling him how he has a good devotional life. He has a quiet time almost every morning with scripture and journaling that he really tries to keep. And Dallas does not at all disparage that practice. But he does go on to say, your problem is not the first 15 minutes of the day. It's the next 23 hours and 45 minutes. You must arrange your days so you are experiencing total contentment, joy, and confidence in your everyday life with God. John responds with a bit of confusion and pushback, citing how his work isn't going nearly well enough. People are not all happy with him. He feels inadequate in some relationships. To which Dallas replies, I didn't say you should experience total contentment, joy, and confidence in the remarkable adequacy of your competence or the amazingly successful circumstances of your life. It's total contentment, joy, and confidence in your everyday experiences of God. This alone is what makes us healthy. My family moved to Michigan in the summer between 8th and ninth grade, a small town called Ludington, which, side note, is a really great place to take little kids for a summer vacation on the beach. It's not a beach, it's just a lake. This is a point of contention between Meredith and I. I consider a long stretch of sand in front of water with waves to be a beach. And I think that it needs to smell salty and it needs to sound like the tide is pulling those waves in and out. Otherwise, it's just a beautiful lake, but it's not a beach. Anyhow, I was not exactly thrilled by the move as a 13-year-old, but it ended up being a really important point in my own spiritual journey. Because the friends I made there took really seriously that idea of doing everyday life with God. Like, it was obvious in how they did their days at school or in our time hanging out at each other's houses, and I'd never really seen that before, or at least it had never really clicked for me up to that point, that that sort of thing was possible, that sort of life with God was possible. For me, the really pivotal moment was when I started letting go of should and trusting what I wanted. I was reading some Christian writers who talked about desire, happiness even, as clues for ways to connect with God. 
And I had such a hard time believing or trusting that. Along the way, somehow I'd just become real confused about how to process what I wanted. Was it selfish? Was it sacred? And here are these writers saying that because God is good, because I am made in the image of God, there is a way to think about goodness and desire and happiness and then open myself up to God in those things. They weren't saying that people don't also have a lot of wrong desires or selfish desires. They were just saying that if we want to know or follow Jesus more, perhaps we really could trust God to help us do that without suddenly having to renounce everything we like. We think people can actually experience the contentment with God that Willard talks about and that it isn't going to come through frantically doing spiritual things. We've talked before about how Jesus' vision is of a joyful, sustainable life with God so that we can lean into the most painful and broken parts of the world and bring compassionate action and justice. It's the fuel for that work. Practicing enjoying God, God's love, presence, and grace cultivates important traits within us and among us. And that process can feel how Jesus promised when he said, Come to me all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. I am gentle and humble of heart, and you will find rest for your souls. We are going to close there. You can find us on Instagram at Pomona Valley Church or get in touch by email at PomonaValleyChurch at gmail.com. Until next time, we love you all. Bye. Bye. Bye.